a mini marketing masterclass for people who hate marketing. Hi, welcome to another episode of Business Mindset Mastery. My name's Heather Gray. I'm a mindset and performance coach over at choosetohaveitall.com where I work with business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs. And today I have something a little bit different for you. I've been talking to you this week about showing up, putting yourself out there, telling your story, being you, getting the na- your name out, getting your business out, showing people who you are, what you do, and how you move through the world so that they'll hopefully want to buy with you, connect with you, engage with your products and services. And as I talk about it, more and more people talk to me about how much they hate marketing. The reality is, is marketing is non-negotiable if you want to own a business. And if you want to be a solopreneur, you are 100% responsible for the marketing you do for your business. I do think that it is non-negotiable that at some point you have to ask for the sale. But I think a lot of times when people talk about solopreneur businesses and sole proprietorships, a lot of the messaging around marketing is that you you have to cold call. You have to say to somebody, hey, here I am. This is what I do. This is how I serve. This is how I can help you. And I think that is a part of marketing, but it doesn't have to be your entire marketing plan. It's not my entire marketing plan. I like to show people who I am, how I move through the world, how I think. I engage in relationships with people who connect with me, and I've built a network where most of the clients, most of my high-end clients, come from referrals. They sometimes don't even see me on social media. They don't know anything about me. I just landed a really big monthly contract on an evergreen product that's going to exist for month after month based on a referral from a friend. So the client was my, my previous client referred my new client to me. She had never heard from me and I landed a big client as a result of that. And that's because of the way I think about marketing. I attack it from a relationship perspective. I am a social scientist by nature. I, you know, my first business was a brick and mortar private therapy practice. I understand people. I know how to connect with people and I use what I know about people to build my brand, to build my business and put myself out there. So it doesn't always have to be about having the snazziest Instagram post or a new Facebook message or delivering content, content, content. You do need to have a way for people to find you. And the first thing that I tell my clients who hate marketing is that you have to be the boss of SEO and Google. And quite frankly, that's good for any business. I think we got away from that for a while where the power of social media kind of distracted everybody and it was the quick, you know, pill that we could take and suddenly we would have a thousand raving fans. But I think that the tides are turning a little bit. And what we're learning about building lasting businesses is we need to be on Google. So we need to know what our keywords are for our clients' pain points. We need to have websites that represent them and all of that. So that's the first step. You have to have a place for people to find you. None of the things I'm talking about are going to work if you can't somehow be found. But what I want to talk to you about today is if somebody finds you, you don't have to go finding them. They find you. This is what you need to do next 
to market your business. And when I tell you there is one missing ingredient to marketing that everybody forgets, I'm just not, I'm just, you know, I'm not making it up. I'm not fooling you here. It comes down to exceptional customer service. People separate customer service from marketing all the time. And I think it's a huge mistake because exceptional customer service is your best marketing intervention. I promise you. So stay tuned. Hold on to your hat. I'm going to be right back with you on the other side of this break. So yes, the first thing when it comes to marketing a business is you have to have a way for people to find you. You have to have a good website that strongly delivers your message, that shows people a quick introduction to who you are, and you want to make sure that stuff is keyword rich so that when people do a Google search, they find you. The reason why this episode exists is because of the Google searches I did. I want to talk to you about how this all came to be as far as an idea for a podcast episode, because I'm not a business strategist. I teach you guys mindset, but I think that a lot of times when people talk about showing up, they immediately tell me they don't want to be the sleazy salesy salespeople. And over the past six months, I have just had incredible sales experiences and customer service experiences from people who I found on Google as I had to do various parts of my move from Boston to California. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is that fortune is in the follow-up. You hear this and you know it, but so often you hear it in the context of you do a cold call and then let them know that you're going to call back in two days in case they have any questions, or you send that cold email and you check back in four to five business days to see if they, you know, had any comments or concerns or wanted to engage in your services. Usually that's the way you hear that phrase. I want to talk to you today about how do you follow up with people who have reached out to you to know more about your services. We live in an automated world. We live in an era and a time where so much of this stuff is completely automated and we're losing the personal touch. If you hate marketing, if you hate that outreach of, hey, my name is, this is what I do, are you by any chance of need of someone who can, then you have to decide that you're going to do something else and I'm going to challenge you to be personal, to engage in relationships and to think carefully and directly about how you engage with people when they reach out and they make contact with you. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is how I met my real estate agent who helped us sell our condo in Boston. We did incredibly well on that sale partly because I think we made a good real estate investment in the first place. We picked a good property. The resale value after 10 years was really ridiculous. It's like embarrassing to say ridiculous. But the way I found this woman is through one of those old-fashioned postcards in my mailbox. There was 
you know, just a hi homeowner card and said, if you ever think about selling your unit, I want to let you know that I have an established history of making the highest sales in this building for my clients. The past three units that I've sold in this building have sold for X, Y, and Z. And if you were interested in knowing more, I welcome you to give me a call. So she just let me know that she existed. She let me know her statistics. She put herself out there and she gave herself an opportunity to shine from the rest by establishing herself as an expert in my building without ever having a conversation with me. Then when I did call, she left a message and said, hi, yes, in fact, we are looking to sell our unit. She responded with immediacy, with detail, and she showed up in our home ready to make the sale. I could tell when I opened the door how much she wanted the deal. She showed up ready to play, ready to talk to us, and ready to engage. That is really powerful marketing when you're trying to build buyer confidence, is to show them how confident you are. Confidence really does sell. Um, when our real estate agent showed up at our door, she just came ready to play. She was business oriented, focused on everything that she could offer. And then she looked us dead in the eye and said, I can't do this unless you do your part. And then she let us know without batting an eyelash, what we were going to need to do to our unit in order to get it ready for the level of sale that she was prepared to make. So she was crystal clear with what she could do. And then she was also equally crystal clear in what we needed to do. She didn't hide. She didn't say if you had the time, if you're able to just invest a little bit of money. She was to the point and direct and she was non-negotiable about it. The other thing that she was really unafraid to do is to compare herself to other people. Her percentage um, rate on the sale was a little higher than some of her competition. And I knew that because I had done my research before having her into her apartment. But she came in and she said, hey, listen, if you look around, if you ask around, you're going to find out that um, my percentage is a little bit higher. Obviously, part of the reason why I do it is because I have tremendous success in this building. I have a network of people who I know are already looking to buy in this building. I know this building inside and out. But I also want to tell you what you get when you hire me, that you get a project manager for the sale of your unit. You will get somebody who manages your painters. You manage the people who are going to reinstall carpet in your place. You're going to have somebody help you remove the things you don't want. A stager comes with this. Social media is included. You don't have to do anything but move. And so she put herself out there unapologetically about why she cost more than the rest. And she was also fine to say, and this is where my competition and I differ. They do this while I do this. They put their focus here while I put my focus there. So at the end of her, and it was only probably a couple of minutes spiel she did, I felt completely confident paying her significantly more money because I was confident in her presentation that she was going to deliver us a sale that we would recoup our losses and the ROI was just going to you know, be exceptional on that. So when you think about not wanting to market your business, 
business. So many people think about the sleazy, salesy way of selling of, hi, I'm here, look at me. What I'm really encouraging you to do is to grasp the moment of every potential lead with everything you've got and give them your best. Engage with them on your best. Show up ready to make the sale, unafraid and un unapologetic. You don't have to cold call. You don't have to reach out. You don't have to, you know, fill up people's inboxes, but you have to show up. Beginning, middle, and end. If you do it with confidence, you're selling yourself immediately. People are feeling connected to you. People are feeling like you can take care of them and they will want to buy from you. I can practically hear some of you shouting back at me through your radio speakers as I talk to you about this and telling me that you don't have the confidence to show up with confidence, that you don't think you could be that kind of ball buster, that that's not really how you roll or that's not how you move through the world. And that's okay because you have a way of following up too. You still can make fortune in the follow up, but you have to follow up. Here's my next example. So one of the things that we knew, given my husband's disability, is that when we moved, we were moving from a condo that was largely like, you know, move in ready when we picked it, and we were going to choose to live in a single family home. Any home we purchased would have to be modified or adapted for my husband's disability. We knew that going in, but we also knew that we wanted an opportunity to individualize a home, customize it a little bit, and really make it ours. We knew we were going to need an architect. So way back when we were in New England still, I did a Google search for architects in, you know, in Southern California. Um, and I started looking at people's websites. And this is why I'm telling you, you need a really good website that helps you shine, especially if you're afraid to market or network or put yourself out there in any way, is make a website that gets attention so people are interested to learn more. So what my husband and I did is we wrote a general letter um, about who we are, what our goals were, what we were hoping to accomplish for our new home in California. And we sent that same letter to probably five different architects that we had found on Google, what our needs were, what our budgets were, what our design aesthetic was, all of that. And then we sent it to architects and inquired about the bids or the process for getting started. Only one person respond personally. Three people gave us automated messages that if they would like to, if we wanted to know more, we could call them when we moved to town. Someone else didn't get back to us. And one person took our letter, wrote back and said, hi, you're catching me on vacation with my family right now. I love what you have to say. Yes, I have experience working with disability. I think this sounds like a really exciting project. I'd like to get back to my family now, but I'll follow up with you when I'm back in the office. Office. So it wasn't even a canned vacation response. Um, whether or not as a business owner, I would recommend that. I usually tell people when you're on vacation, be on vacation. But it was a personalized response. It, you easily could do an automated response and then just be genuine in your follow-up when you get back to the office. And then just like he said, he wrote back to us and said it must be really overwhelming to be moving cross-country, to not know anybody. Of course, 
course we're going to make you a home that makes you shine. And then just said, these are the things you'd like to think about. These are the things that we should get started with, but we don't need to do any of that until you get yourself here. I look forward to meeting you. So it was a fantastic introduction. He started to show himself as he was. He let us know about his business. He let us know that he had genuine interest in the job, but he also didn't try to sell us right away because we hadn't even moved to California. So he didn't do any extra work on his part. And then when we met him, he was just the kindest good guy. Like that's the only way I, like I described him to my dad. I described him to friends. I was like, he's just a genuine good guy. He asked us about our move. He's, you know, he asked us about our worries and our concerns. And he did something that's so important, but nobody talks about anymore. People always talk about relationship marketing, but they forget that at the core of relationships are people and that sometimes in order to get the sale, you just have to be a person. And we didn't get the canned relationship, you know, sort of template from this guy. He genuine show, genuinely showed up as a person, genuinely engaged with us, said outright, we are going to be working together for months, so we need to like one another, and really talk to us about where we were at. He listened, and he connected. And this is a man I only found because of Google. I want you to think about that. That's how he got the sale. Google helped me find him, and then he was a person. At different stages of this process, from selling our home, moving, buying a home, talking to realtors, uh, talking to an architect, looking for all these service providers, choosing all these service providers, at various points in time, my husband gets anxious and overwhelmed pretty quickly. And when he does, he tends to shut down, get really quiet. <laughs> I call him the negative ninny because he just starts looking for all the things that could go wrong. Um, and you know what I always say to that is like, it's easier if you start looking for the things that might go right. After that first meeting with our architect, he's like, that guy is my people. And I was like, I know. And when we were talking about how much we liked him, how we're not meeting another architect, he immediately got our job. We're not vetting anybody. We're not. Like, he's our guy. Is because he knew our pain points. He knew we had never even owned a home, never mind renovated a home. He was really clear. He's like, you know, and one of the things that I had said is we're so used to adapting. We don't even know, like, you know, what to ask for in terms of universal design for a home. And he's like, yeah, and you should shouldn't be. That's my job. And just immediately put us at ease because he knew our pain points and he knew where we were. And he said, it's okay. Like you've never done this before, but I've worked with a lot of people who have never done this before. You're probably wondering A, B, and C. You probably think X, Y, and Z. And he just really communicated that not only did he understand the new home buyer experience and the new, like, you know, new person to remodeling, 
you know, I kind of identified ourselves as newbies who knew just enough to be dangerous. He also really honed in on the disability and the need for accessibility. And at one point in time, my husband says, well, it's okay if you have to, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And the architect, Jeff, um, Jeff just interrupted him and said, no, like, you don't need to compromise. You have been compromising until you came into this office. You have been making your homes work in the best way you can. The whole point that you're here is so you no longer have to compromise. Like, honed in directly and immediately on a major pain point. I want you to think about that because you know your client's pain points. You know where they're hurting. You know what they need. And so often, everybody gets you focused on the copy, on the how are you going to write it so people believe it? How are you going to say it? How are you going to write the email? What's the best subject line? What's the best time of day to post an email, to send to an email list? How many days should I wait until I follow up with an email? And you forget that you're talking to people with pain points. And if you talk to them, one-on-one, mark it like it's 1999, and just talk to them. You'll get the sale. I really, I really just believe that. I think sometimes we overcomplicate it. And if we just remember for 10 seconds, it's about people and we deliver for people, we're going to nail that sale. Now, the next thing that I want you to think about is that Sometimes your clients don't know what they don't know, right? That's what I was talking to you about with the house. Um, I have no idea what to ask for in terms of design or accessibility. I've never, I, I owned a two bedroom condo. I've never owned a single family home before. I don't know what I don't know. And one of the things that really stands out for me is the real estate agent we found here in California. Luckily, she was a referral from Jeff, our architect. So you find good people and then they send you to good people. And that's really good when you're new and you're on the service side and you're the customer in this case. But Kendra's our real estate agent here. And when she realized that we never purchased a single home, we didn't know California, we didn't know the area, she made not knowing okay. She normalized it and led us and said, I don't even want you looking for a house. I want you looking at houses. And when she met us for the first time, she said, I'm the expert in the car. You get to be the person who doesn't know and you get to find out. So the things you don't know, ask and I'll answer. And then as we drive, I'll tell you what I know. And that's exactly what she did is she presented herself as the expert in the area and let us feel comfortable not knowing anything. The other thing I really liked about the way Kendra um, met us and introduced herself to us is she led with the boundaries. She let us know right from the get-go, this is how I like to work with people. And she asked us what we need from service providers. And it's this reminder that boundaries make people feel safe. One of the things that's so common in the real estate age, in, in the real estate, um, you know, field is that real estate agents are kind of known for being available to their clients at all hours, like by text, by email, that there's no such thing as business hours for real estate agents. And as a business coach, I really don't like businesses that operate 
operate that way. So as a client for those services, I don't like, you know, bugging my real estate agent at nine o'clock just because I can. And she says it's fine. Like, I believe that I can work with her on business hours unless there's some crucial deadline to get in an offer or whatever. But she asked us in that first meeting, what do you need from me? This is what I need from you. And it feels safe. Boundaries make people feel safe. That way, if it's a Saturday morning and I have a quick question about that house we saw two days ago, I don't have to worry that I'm in, in you know, an imposition, that I'm in the way or I'm overstepping. I can just text her and say, hey, I had a question about that house because she already let me know it's okay. I let her know that anything she needs me to do, any task-wise, please don't put it in text message. Please send it to me in an email because I have a system in my email to monitor the things that I need to do on my to-do list and I, I suck at doing it on my phone. So when we did that exchange back and forth, we set ourselves up for total success because then she was able to meet our needs and we were able to meet hers. That is exceptional marketing because when you remove the anxiety, you remove the worry from your client experience, you tell them what they need to know you set your client up for success, that is what they're going to remember about you and they will tell the world. So it's about showing up authentically and honestly. The next piece you really have to be careful of when you're doing this is you want to be confident. You want to put yourself out there, but please really work hard to avoid the likelihood that you could overpromise and underdeliver. So one of the things my real estate agent in Boston did is she was completely unafraid in telling us that she was going to get us the most bang for our buck when it came to the sale at the end of the day. And she did, and she delivered. But the other thing she did is she told us she had exceptional construction workers who would come into our home, get exactly what we needed done at fair rates in a good timetable, and it would just be seamless. I already had people that I'd already used for for a condo and I wanted to give them my repeat business. And she said, no, it's so much better. These people are used to working with me. They know what I like. They know how I operate. It's This is really what I recommend. And those people, those construction people sucked. They overcharged, overpromised, underdelivered. I was chasing their tail nonstop. They, it was constantly following up and I was really let down. And I don't even really remember the names of those construction people because my real estate agent, Susan, identified herself as the project manager for that. So when I look back on that part of my sale experience of the condo, I don't remember who did a shit job painting my wall. I remember the real estate agent who told me not to give repeat customer, like repeat business to people who had already earned my trust and encouraged me to go with these yahoos who didn't know what the heck they were doing. So that, that experience lasts. And so many times we talk to people about, tell them about the transformation, tell them what they're going to miss out on, tell them the consequence of not buying from you. And these really grand, exaggerated gestures. And it sounds shiny, sexy, sassy. It sounds good, but it can leave a really sour taste in the mouth of your client when you fail to deliver. Be really careful about that. Don't buy into the hype. Be honest about who you are. Clear about the limitations of what you're capable of. 
be the straight shooter, and that will nail the sale. I also think it's important not to be all business all the time. Now, our real estate agent in Boston, she was business pro all the way. It was about facts and numbers and statistics and things that needed to get done. Our real estate agent here in California is really engaging. She's really friendly, easygoing, relaxed. She's been taking us to houses. We've been talking, getting to know each other, and a genuine warm relationship is developing. Our relationship, our real estate agent in Boston, she didn't try to be our friend, so she didn't become our friend. So she didn't pretend. She didn't fake. She didn't show interest in who we were as people and that was fine because she made it clear that's not what she was there for our real estate agent here in California that was really kind of clear about her is that she did want to get to know us and she did make a genuine connection to the point where way finally we put an offer in on the house last week after we did the paperwork for the offer she's like please you know join my family for dinner we're going to meet like right here in a restaurant in our plaza um, we love to have you and she she had her husband and her kids, and we had a delightful dinner. And I honestly, I think that's extreme customer service. I don't think you need to go out to dinner and socialize with your clients. But when you experience a genuine connection, when you genuinely like the person you're working with, you like the client, I think it's a really good business to tell them. People like to know when they're liked. I tell my clients all the time, like, oh my gosh, like I'm so like I'm so fortunate that you found me. I really enjoy this work. I do a really good job, too, of vetting my clients, so I don't usually take on people that I don't think I'm going to genuinely like. But when I don't feel it, I don't say it because sometimes I just need to do good business and it's okay not to have a good relationship. Sometimes people want to be one and done. They need the quick consultation. They need my feedback, my eyes on their problem, and then they're good to go. Other times, though, that connection really cements people for you. So when you think about building your thousand true fans, you don't have to do it by yourself. You can build an army of representatives of people who know you, like you, trust you. That's what I'm learning over and over again with my architect and my real estate agent here in California is they've worked together before. They trust one another. They refer back and forth and they've really developed a nice relationship so that the similar clients find them. You know, likewise, our, our architect is really mild-mannered. He seems kind of shy, definitely the introverted type, and he doesn't want to be our friend, but he also genuinely is personable and engaging when we talk to us, and it feels genuine. There's three different levels here. My real estate agent in Boston, my real estate agent in California, and my architect here in California, all three of them engaged with us differently, and it was very genuine based on the kind of relationship they were building with us. So if it exists, don't be afraid of it. Lean into it. The other thing that all three service providers that I'm talking to you about today did exceptionally well is they checked in with us as the service was being provided on how happy and satisfied we were on what's being delivered. I talk to business owners all the time who never ask in the middle of service delivery, how's it going for their clients? Because they're so afraid that they're going to hear a criticism or they're so afraid to hear, oh, I'm really not happy or I'm questioning my investment. 
They're so afraid of the answer that they don't ask. Rather than recognizing that this is a main possibility and a main opportunity for riding the ship and getting another raving fan out of the deal, if they are able to give you constructive feedback, tell you what needs to be sort of changed or done differently, and you're able to do that for them, then you're able to, you know, show them how you respond to feedback. And not everybody is going to deliver services perfectly. I have a client right now who let me know that she wasn't happy with the way I was um, delivering a service and felt like she had expected more, um, more, she had expected me to be more hands-on. And I said, oh, that's fine. I said, I usually expect, you know, my clients to let me know how involved they want me to be. Like, I don't monitor and hold accountability unless people tell me that that's what they need. It's a misunderstanding, but absolutely. And so I was crystal clear on that. I accepted the feedback in the middle, and I had asked for it. Um, And that way... We all know it's hard to tell someone you're not happy with services. Well, let's be honest. It's not hard for everybody. We hear people complain all the time. And it's certainly made more easier on the Internet when you can do so anonymously. But when you just genuinely let your clients know that you're interested in their client satisfaction, they tell you, you get to fix it, and that's really good for building your brand. It's kind of a no-brainer when it comes to marketing. It's the best way to set yourself up for success. And then, you know, the last thing I want you to think about is in addition to feedback that, you know, where you might have room to grow or what isn't working, I want you to get unafraid and asking for testimonials to tell ideal clients who you know you've delivered well, ask them if they'll, um, you know, put a testimonial together for you or ask them to become a referral source. Tell them, I would, you know, I loved working with you. I love the kind of thing we did together. If you happen to know someone else like you who would benefit, this is the kind of work I'd love to do, and I'd love to be able to help more of your friends and family. Just let me know how I might be able to serve. Perhaps you want to think about, especially because if anyone listening to this show really hates marketing, like you can build a referral network and you can do a referral intervention so that when people do refer to you, you give them a discount or you send them a gift card or something for their time. You can can use your best clients, your most satisfied clients to build your brand and build your business. Sometimes they just don't know to do that. So you're going to have to ask. Remember, too, that not everyone knows how to um, give feedback, leave a review, or offer testimonials. Um, I'm learning that with my podcast, which, oh, this is an opportunity I could say, hey, if you like my show, you're getting value from this episode, don't be afraid to leave a uh, review for me over at iTunes. You can find it in the iTunes app, but another way to do it is you can just go to my podcast and click on uh, review in iTunes, and you can do it there. So you have to ask for the testimonial, and then... Then you usually have to direct people on how to do it and how they can find you because not everybody knows and not everybody knows where the best per- place to leave a review is. I, you know, I had an exceptional service provider who was helping me with things that I needed to donate 
and remove and sell and all of that. And they did an exceptional job of organizing all of our stuff and getting it to the various places they needed to go. And when they did it, I wanted to, you know, be able to refer them to friends of mine or to anybody who needed them, but I didn't know where to do that. So because I'm in the business, I knew to ask the question, but not everyone's going to know that. So make sure you set the ability for your client to leave a review up for success by directing them on the best place to do it and how to do it. And then lastly, I want you to, oh, I'm going to pause and give you a break because there's background noise going on. Just one second. I'll be right back. Sorry, I had to mute you there for a second because I had a really important closing point and I didn't want to lose it in the background noise of the hotel here. So we started the show talking about fortune being in the follow-up. And that is true at that initial client prospecting. But sometimes that too even is obvious, right? The part about follow-up that might be less obvious that right now is making up for 50% of my own business is reaching out to prior clients after it's been a little bit of time since they've worked with you, after you've helped them successfully, after you've had a positive client-consumer you know, relationship, anytime you develop a new product or service Don't assume that your previous clients are still following you on social media or engaging with your content in your advertising because they already know you exist. So they may not be thinking about keeping you on their radar. So don't be afraid to get back on theirs. If you have an update to a product or a service that you think a prior client would benefit from, those are the best possible leads. So make sure that on a regular basis, you're reaching out, checking in, seeing if anything new has popped up for them, seeing if you could help. And there's no, you know, rhyme or reason to this, right? How often to do it. I like to recommend every, you know, four to six months. Um, Just, you know, say, hey, I was thinking about you. I remembered we did this. I was wondering if you needed anything going forward. If you do, I just wanted to let you know I had this new offering. I thought it could work for you. If now's the right time, great. If not, not so bad. Um, And if you think anybody else could benefit from it, certainly let them know too. I would invite that. So don't forget that your best warm leads are previous clients and stay connected to them. Keep that relationship going. Recognize and own that marketing your business is non-negotiable if you're choosing to own a business, but you get to decide how. You get to decide how you move through the world, how you put yourself out there, and how you show up for your consumer, and you get to lead with relationships. You get to remember the people are involved, and when in doubt, my friends, market like it's 1999. Just be a person. Thanks so much for listening in on this today. This was a good episode. I think I gave you really good, solid takeaways. I would genuinely love to know what you hear about it. So uh, leave a review over at iTunes. You can do that on my website. Or, you know, just send me an email. If you have a question you'd like me to get to on next week's show, certainly you're welcome to email me. You can find me over at heather at choosetohaveitall.com. But remember, you are the boss of your business And people aren't going to be able to buy from you until they know you exist. Thanks so much. Bye for now. I'll talk to you next week.